We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your hosts, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 300. Wow, 300, Scott. Congratulations. How do you feel? I feel old, man. It's been a long time. It's been uh, since, what did we say? March, having the notes here. March 2015 was when we we first released our I have to try to remember exactly when this was now. This is, uh, 2015 feels like a lifetime ago. And uh, you remember, I remember that first day of recording. We we banked a couple episodes um, and it was the first podcast I had ever recorded. And I realized that the first three episodes we recorded, I was not actually using the microphone. It was plugged in and everything, (laughs) but the input setting was incorrect. So I was just being picked up on my regular, you know iphone headphones yeah that's pretty par for the course i think when you start a podcast (laughs) like that you have a bazillion audio issues now when you have audio and video issues on episode 300 because this is like because we have been at this those of you are an hour and five minutes minutes trying to figure out a couple horrible audio things that we've been going on and trying to figure out what the hell is happening so um 
I think we got it, hopefully. And, uh, and, and yeah, we're off for the races now, but it's been a long time. Well, what is um, Malcolm Gladwell is the guy who said 10,000 hours makes you an expert, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. So if you figure each one of our episodes is an hour, give or take, that means we're about to do our 300th hour. So we've got quite a few more hours to do before we are experts. Maybe by then, maybe by, by episode 10,000, we will no longer have technical issues. That's true. It's going to be, um, and, that's, and that's a long time. I mean, can you imagine how many years is that? I think we'll both be dead. I, I honestly think, I don't think we can, I think we'll be dead unless we start doing these daily I would, and for four hours a day. Right, right. I would have, uh, yeah, I think if we did it for that long, it would be, I would definitely have a, a cane. We would we would be hopefully you know we would be in a completely different era of Yankees baseball because I think Aaron Judge would be retired by that point. It would yeah. be a long time. That's a long time. So yeah, things to strive for being an expert. Three thousand hours. Maybe maybe Kemp and my future son will be recording. Would have yeah. taken <laughs> over by that time. Yeah, yeah, they'll, they'll be grandfathered in. At that point, hopefully, technology will be at a point where they won't have to do Skype audio and video. Anymore. Yeah, they'll teleport to each other's locations, and, and they'll be all good. So, it'll just be holograms talking to one another. That's funny. Yeah, no, this is a, it's a big deal. I think uh, 300 is a lot. This is going to be our fourth season of baseball coming up. So, um, I'm excited, man. I, I'll tell you what. This is a, this is a re-energize, uh, re-energize. I think that the whole team is re-energized right now because last year was the end of the the end of last year, the second half of last year. I think everybody's in agreement with this, right? And you and I have talked about this multiple times. It was a frustrating second half. It wasn't that much. It wasn't that enjoyable to watch the Yankees play because it was, there were a lot of injuries happening. They weren't playing to their potential. There was just a lot of frustration around the team. And like they were off the field or on the field slash off the field things happening with like Gary Sanchez, like the, the laziness narrative and like all these other bullshit things that were around the team. It was just like a cloud. It's, it seemed like it was following. So I feel like now, it's all scrubbed free. We're fresh. We got like a year two of Giancarlo, which I'm very happy about. It's not the first year. Now we have a, a second year guy. And I, I feel like uh, I feel energized. I really do. A thousand percent. The second half of last year was not fun. And I think it's, it's partially because 2018 was the first time since we've been doing the podcast, the team had expectations. 2015, the team was hanging on for dear life, and A-Rod had a fun, he had a good season, and Teixeira was pretty good, so they, they made the wild card game, but if you remember, they limped there, no one expected it. It was the A-Rod though, it was a big deal in his career, because it actually it gave a him big deal for a Yankees career after playing. It launched his, his post-MLB yeah. career, absolutely, and then 2016... We were just saying maybe they'll get lucky again, and halfway through they they decided to to uh, go all in on on trading away players and restocking the farm system. You and I loved that. We got ener- energized by that aspect yep, of absolutely. it by turning over a new leaf. And then 2017 was the fun, surprising year. No one expected them to take the jump they did in 2017. But then when you bring in Stanton, the the NL MVP at the time, reigning MVP. Well, it's no longer, hey, whatever happens, happens. Let's just have fun out there. It is win a World Series or bust. Right. And when that is the expectation and the goal, and you see them going out there and not playing to that potential, it's not fun. It's, that is not fun. And, and for all the reasons you just listed, when you don't play to your potential, it's not fun to watch. Right, but it's also the other things on top of the of of not playing to your potential with that were just surrounding what happened, and and you know mm-hmm. obviously the the exit to Boston, and then the the unfortunate you know complete finishing of the of the season with the Red Sox winning the World Series, like it was just the perfect storm, and and uh, I think the Yankees learned a lot last year, the guys that are on the field, and um, I I know I learned a lot last year by just going through that second half and like just trying to 
trying to trying to feel our, our way through it and not let the frustrations completely get to me because because there is a new year and and these guys are you know we have two guys specifically that I'm really excited for this year Andujar and Glaber Torres and hopefully they're both on the team come day uh, come opening day because I really think we're going to see a an evolution now and we're going to start seeing these guys progress into their careers and that's one of my most exciting things like I like seeing that I like watching guys who who I'm who I enjoy, you know, their baseball. I, I enjoy the way that they play the, the game. And then now we're watching the evolution of that player. And I think that's a really fun part of baseball that doesn't, doesn't get a lot of attention because everybody wants to win right this very second. And so focused on that, they're not actually like, let, let's enjoy the evolution and how these guys are progressing through because I think this is going to be a big year for both of them. Well, yeah, it's not just those guys going into their sophomore year. It's also like Gary Sanchez needs to have a bounce back year. Yep. He, uh, Severino was on the Michael K show last week and they asked him about Sanchez and he said, he told Gary sophomore season in major league baseball is always the hardest because the first one, you don't have expectations. You're going out there. You're a rookie. You're having fun. It's that second year when you have to live up to those expectations you set for yourself. That's the tough one. And I know maybe, you know, Sanchez was a rookie back in 2016, but he came up like a bat out of hell and, and tore up the league for two months. 2017 was his first full season, and 2018 was the year that Sanchez was going to explode, right? And he was he was third fiddle going into the year. We we talked about, hey, how's that going to affect Gary? Where Judge took his place as the uh, the anointed one, and then Stanton's coming in there, like I'm I'm the reigning NL MVP. So you're now down to number three, Gary. How's he going to deal with that? Maybe he just, it was the, the, we talked about perfect storm of bad things happening for just us in general watching the Red Sox win. Maybe it was perfect storm of bad shit for Gary Sanchez last year. I mean, it could have been. You'd think that though, you know, when you have another guy like that coming in, that the, the pressure's kind of off your plate and you can go out and just play your game. And, and who knows? Maybe not if you want to be the guy, I, not I if guess you so. like being the guy. But maybe, maybe at the same time, like that was happening and he let, let his foot off the pedal a little bit and said, okay, I'm not the guy that's this time. So I could just go and, and kind of cruise into the season and the attention won't be as much on me. Who the hell knows what happened, but I, I don't know everyone. It, I think everyone obviously is different. Some guys maybe would treat it that way or other guys go out there and try to do too much. And we, we've, I mean, that's the cliche in baseball. When you press, that's when you are at your worst. Right. When you're trying to do too much at the plate, you're trying to hit a 500 foot home run. You're going to pop out to shortstop. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So this year is, is, um, you know, and like you were talking about the, the sophomore slump, I think the Yankees like in general, almost last year had that sophomore slump because of the unexpected season that they had in 17. And they went, uh, you know, as far as they did and, and started coming out and beating teams that they weren't supposed to beat like that, that was a, a wake up call. And that was like, okay, here we go. We're, we're, uh, we're in this now. This is a team that's going to be scary for a long time. And everybody expected them to pop out the next year and, and have all these, um, you know, big, they had these big expectations, expected them to get deeper into the playoffs. So that's, that, that means World Series. And it just didn't work out that way. Boston had the all-world season and, and you know, overshadowed everything that happened the year before. So maybe that was the sophomore slump of the Yankees. And now we're walking into, okay, we've learned from our successes. We've learned from our failures. Now let's put it all together. That's what we could hope yeah. for. Yeah, Absolutely. Now, back to the 300th episode, and give me a moment to, uh, to be all sappy and everything. So, Scott and I, you know, one of our favorite things about doing this podcast has been the listener interaction. Meeting new people, whether it's at the events, meeting new people through, uh, through the mailbags, through the voicemails, like that part of it 
has been one of my most favorite parts of doing these 300 episodes. And it is a testament to all of the listeners, all of the people who have supported us over the past three plus years. So I say this with uh, uh, all the genuine genuineness. Is that even a friggin' word? You can use it. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to everyone who's giving us a a rating and review in iTunes. I ask you every single week. (laughs) A lot of you have obliged. Some of you still haven't. So maybe now that we've done 300, then we have 300 under our belt. They'll be, they'll give us that five-star rating and review that we we think we've been uh, earning for the past four years. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. If people weren't listening to us, I don't know how much longer we would have done it. Um, the fact that people are listening and we do have Not this long, we have the interaction and, you know, we're able to meet people in real life. Like, I think that's one of the, one of the big thing, one of the big things like you talked about that's important to us, but kind of, um, you know, makes us a little bit different in the fact that we, we do try to, you know, take this to real life as much as possible, um, and, and make this more of a community. And that's, uh, that's, that's just kind of what we're continuing this year. So with 300, it's kind of pushing us into the 2019 season where we're going to be doing, you know, even more events we're doing, uh, you know, we, what tripled our, uh, our numbers for the spring training event. That's awesome. I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then we're, we're starting these, uh, the Bronx pinstripes, the BP crew chapters. So we're going to be doing these chapters all throughout the country and, you know, mixing in some away games there too. So all of this is just like, it seems like we've been doing it forever, but honestly, it's just the beginning of, of this community that we've, that we have as a vision and and like bringing more people in and just getting this, this big group of Yankee fans together at, at different places to cause ruckus, to have fun, to talk Yankees ball, to do whatever. So it's, uh. It's exciting. And again, like Andrew said, thank you very much for everybody listening and coming to the events and doing all this stuff because uh, it really does. It makes it enjoyable for everybody who's involved with this. And it's not just us. There's a lot of other people. Um, Dom, who has been working with us for uh, a couple of years now, doing stuff in the background. He was the first intern we had. Um, Tyler, who's been working his butt off for the past year and a half, does a ton of work in the background and helps with uh, the show notes and does a lot of the video stuff uh, that you see a lot of those clips. So those guys have been an instrumental part of what we do. And a uh, you know, big shout out to those guys as well. So there's a lot of, a lot and, of, it's, this is a group effort by, by far. And little teaser for the end of the show, Tyler put together a best of 2018 voicemail segment. So that's, it's always one of our favorite things about the show, hearing you guys call up and lose your friggin' minds over something that happens. Uh, so I, I'm guessing that uh, there will be uh, quite the few Sunny Gray bitch fests on. on yeah, uh, it might be. This best of voice it's going to be Gary Sanchez and Sunny Gray in a loop, yeah. just like people complaining about yeah. that. You know, a little bit of excitement for for the um, you know, the postseason for a, a few minutes, and then just a lot of lot of bitching. It's going to be a lot of bitching. So, so I mean, also the show has evolved into what we think what our list what the listeners have been responding to right because you go back and listen to some of those first episodes and we didn't know what the hell we were doing we would we would have a list of topics that we thought people would want to hear about and we we would go we would spend entire episodes like breaking down specific at bats and specific (laughs) plays and you know we sort of realized that and we were only doing one episode a week at the time so imagine trying to cram like seven six or seven games into an hour's worth we show. couldn't do that anymore with the amount of like diarrhea that comes out of our mouth to each other. So it's, it was, it's a, it I don't impossible. know how we even did it in the beginning. Yeah. No, it's, I mean, like, like what, what season did we move to two episodes? Was that the second year or the third? I think year? it was the third year. I th- I don't remember. I don't remember when exactly we, we did, did a full season of just one a week though. Yeah. I think that was the first year. And then the second year, um, we, we went into two, but 
it just would be impossible at this point because the amount of yeah. the amount of things that we that we kind of go off script. I mean, there's not that there's a script, but we have you know show notes so just so we can kind of guide our way through what happened in the week and what happened up to the uh, up to the time that we're recording. And I mean, it never stays on there. Like the the way that you and I riff now, it's just we just uh, we we get animated about certain things and then we just kind of go on it. So that's that's there's there's really no no uh, rhyme or reason to what happens at this point but it's that's what that's what we liked like the whole the whole premise of why we started the show and, and like why we wanted to do this was was to get um, a lot of people who are listening who want Yankees content that that is listening to you know regular radio shows and they're fine too like every, everybody has their place I think we all consume a lot of different things um, but essentially two guys two friends hanging out at a bar talking Yankees baseball like that was kind of our our theme and that's kind of where we wanted to go with it and that's just it's just kind of evolved to that because I think that's how we talk to each other anyway. And, you know, that's what that's what we've uh, kind of gravitated to. It, it's certainly that, but it's also, and I think because you and I are both interested in learning more about the game yeah. and about how the game is analyzed and and studied and how it's progressing. So that's why we try and get as many guests on as possible, experts in their field who can tell us more about whether it's the Yankees going to be playing the Minnesota Twins, or if we want to know more about StatCast or, or some analytics or whatever it may be. So it's certainly a blending of all of those things. Yes, you're going to get the hot takes. You're going to get the passionate fan reactions. You're going to get the ridiculously dumb projections and predictions from us like you can get from every fan. But then hopefully we'll, you'll, you might also learn a thing or two because I know when we have some guys on, I'm going to them for, for their opinion yeah. and, and their expertise right. to, to learn something. No, that's it. I mean, that's the beauty is that we're able to get these people on so that the, the listeners can listen to um, their expertise and not just have us, you know, guess about it. Because you, you see that in some cases, like people just act like they, they know everything about a certain topic. And, and as mentioned in the show, you know, 300 episodes is about 300 hours, maybe maybe 400 if you round up for all the other uh, the long episodes we do. But um, 3000 is the is the expert you know, the expert level. So that's why we bring other people 10, on 10,000. What Jesus Christ. That's why we talk <laughs> this is way too much. Of that's why thing. we talk like, to other who, people who has time for that. Seriously. So yeah, anyway, at, long story short, uh, even though that's too late, thank you very much. 300 is a big yes. deal for us. This has been, um, you know, I, I'm looking forward to this season. I know Andrew is, and then with all these things forward. So uh, I touched on the BP crit BP crew chapters, the crew, uh, if you have not gotten a hold of me, I, I please send an email to info at bronxpinstripes.com. Let us know if you're interested in being a captain for that part- your particular city or if you are just interested in joining uh, the chapter and getting together with other Yankee fans in your area. But we need to know who you are and where you are. Um, we haven't talked about this in a, in a little while, but there's a lot of work going on behind the scenes right now. Um, Colleen, who is one of our moderators in the Facebook group, is helping out with this uh, big time as well. So she's going to be very involved. And we're we're kind of we're just doing a lot of things in the background right now. And you guys are going to be getting emailed um, probably in the next week or so about these chapters. So we want to make sure that that list is built out and that we have as many people from different cities that are interested in uh, being um, involved with this. So it's going to be a lot of fun this year. I'm, I'm, I'm really pumped up about that. And if we've had conversations about this, uh, if you're one of the people from a different city, I know I've had people conversations with uh, guys in San Francisco, in Denver, um, in the Baltimore area, in the Boston area, Tampa, for sure. Like if you reached out to me a long time ago and haven't heard from us, feel free to reach back out. Um, but I do have everybody's email who's gotten in touch with us. Yeah, the, the, the chapters is certainly one thing that we're going to be growing this year. There's going to be more content, new content coming to the Bronx Pinstripes family overall yeah. umbrella. Yeah. 
Um, we're excited about that. You know, I think in the coming weeks we'll be talking more about that. The, obviously, the events and, and those aren't going to stop, and, and our podcast is not going to stop. Um, so yeah, very excited for this season. Uh, just quickly want to remind people about the dates. So March 15th and 16th, it's like a month away at this point. That's when we're going to be in spring training in Tampa. The tickets are all sold out for the Saturday event, but maybe people are just going down there to watch the games anyway. Hit us up. Let us know because we're going to be at the stadium Friday too. We're going to be grabbing drinks probably somewhere Friday night, somewhere Saturday night. So even if you don't have a ticket to that Saturday event, come hang out. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Friday night, we're gonna we'll put together something at a at a brewery or after the game, post game. Because if I wait too long after the game, you might find me in my uh, in my with my big pillow. That sun gets to yeah. you though. The sun drains a lot out of you quickly. So it's it's, when... it's got to be a clean transition from from the game to the right. to the brewery. Otherwise, it, if I get any uh, yeah. moment in between there, I might not Once get up. Once you sit down, it's over. Yeah, yeah. Game over. Um, so yeah, definitely that'll be a lot of fun. And then the the BP Crew chapter. I'm sorry, the BP Crew events uh, at the stadium this year. April 13th versus the White Sox. May 31st is a Friday night game against the Red Sox. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, June 22nd is a Saturday night game against Houston. July 20th versus Colorado. And then August 31st versus the Oakland Athletics. So if you you can't buy tickets right now for, for Yankees baseball, but you can buy them uh, for our event. So go ahead and get your tickets now. Lock those up. Uh, we do have a, um, you know, we have Section 205 pretty much locked down, but those tickets will will sell out. So make sure you go and, and assemble your crew because we are doing those deals again. Again, five people gets you. Uh, if you if you captain a, a crew of five people, you get half off of, uh, of one of those tickets. And then if you get to 10 people, that is uh, one of those tickets will be free. So do that. Uh, be the be the captain of your group because it's incentivized by free tickets. So uh, spring training right around the corner, Yankees pitchers and catchers, and a lot of all the camps start this week, 13, March thir- or February 13th, February 14th is when a lot of the guys are going to start reporting. Um, no free agency news or anything like that, but what we did get this past week is a lot of rule talk, a lot of MLB proposed rule changes that could greatly impact the game, and everyone obviously is going to have an opinion on those. So let's let's talk about those the first one and i think the biggest one is the the potential three batter minimum for any pitcher so you bring in a reliever he's got to face three batters before he can come out of the game the exception being if he's injured or if he finishes an inning so if he comes in to just get one out and that's the end of the inning you can start somebody new in the next inning but if a guy's coming in there's no more of these dingleberries that just come in and get one out that's gone so not gone if this were in place at first, I thought, there's no way this is going to pass. There's no way the players would go for this because it could take away some of those jobs that you, you, the guys get the one, the the one specialists, out. I mean, yeah. the, the, these specialists have a role on a lot of teams. Um, it's going to speed up the game, I think, because there's less. Oh, it'll, less it'll, breaks, definitely, less, it'll definitely speed up less, the game. Less relievers. The more I thought about it, the more I loved it. I think this could be a lot of fun and add some strategy to the game. And I think the Yankees' bullpen, if this were to be put in place, the Yankees' bullpen sets up perfectly for this because they don't really have specialists. They have guys who can come in and get a, get a full three outs. So I think that if this were to go in place, I'm for this. I have no problem with it, honestly. Like this, this to me doesn't feel like it's a uh, you know a detriment to the game. It's not really changing as much. It's almost throwing it back to the to the time when you know pitchers faced more batters. Uh, I think it. It puts the advantage a little bit more on the batter side too for that for a particular guy coming in. Um, the switch hitters, if you have a switch hitter off the bench, like that's a big advantage to me because you could have, 
you know, who, depending on who the guy is coming in, you can't just, you know, come out and, and change the guy with, you know, if he hasn't faced three batters, if you have a, a switch hitter that is ready to come in and pitch it. Like, I think there is some strategy there. And I think that could be, um, that could, that could play, you know, big later in a game. So yeah, I got no problem with it. I, it's, I, I don't know if it's going to get passed. Like if this is something that will actually get implemented, um, if it did, it, it it would be cool. I would be totally fine with it. I think it's it feels it feels less gimmicky than anything else that they've come out with. It feels less gimmicky uh, than like yeah, a, certainly a shot less clock gimmicky or, than like yeah any other crap. Starting starting a guy on second base. Well, I mean that's just a joke. Like that. it's, it's stupid. <clears throat> but that but the, that's other ideas to speed up the game that I think are way more gimmicky than this. Now uh, I don't think this is going to get passed because I don't think that the players. This strikes me as a rule that's put in there to get the players to say yes on the other rules. You always lead with something that's the most drastic, right. so they can say no and feel like they're they're negotiating with you. But then they say yes to the stuff you really want. That's what this strikes me as. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the the pace of play. If they're actually trying to really make a, a change in that, if that's something that actually is important to them, all these small little changes that they've made don't do shit. This actually would affect uh, the way that the game would flow too, and I think that's a big deal. The flow well, of the games game were is like four minutes shorter last year, uh, and the biggest change last year was the catcher visit. Okay. Four minutes shorter, like we've said in the past, doesn't mean a damn thing to me. Like, you, but talk you to implement, me when we get uh, uh, you implement enough little things, and maybe you go four minutes here, four minutes. But that's there, the problem. You're, you're implementing to too many little things, minutes. too many little tiny things that affect the game in like a weird, in a weird way. To me, you want one big thing that's going to be revolutionary, that's going to speed up the games. I, I think what if, this is actually a throwback. It, it, like I said before, it's almost it's almost just what's making, it? I mean, it's, getting it's a throwback more from in your sense. People. Right. It's a throwback in a sense that the players on the roster have more of a role than just a one one. I mean, even a one inning thing is uh, more of a specialist than it ever used to be. Right. Certainly a one batter thing is more of a specialist. And there is nothing that pisses me off more than when someone is brought in to get a batter. He comes in, throws four balls because he's not in sync yet, walks the guy and then he's out of the game. Right. Like that, the whole process takes fifteen minutes, and all we got out of it was a, a walk, freaking walk. Right? It's infuriating. <laughs> so I get it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think this is actually something that could be uh, that could be implemented and and really not have um, you know an effect on like the baseball purists' get, uh, attitude towards the oh, game. Oh, baseball all. purists, I think are not going to. I mean, purists, they don't like any change. Yeah, but this, was, this is a good change. This, I think, uh, baseball purists would actually like this change. I got into a Twitter argument with a baseball purist last week about the whole rule changes and stuff. And it actually came about when I tweeted out after we learned that major league baseball is changing the disabled list to the injured list, because apparently the word disabled could be offensive. Like, first of all, that did that ever even cross your mind? The word disabled thought of no, when you, when you read or heard the word disabled list, that it could potentially be offensive to disabled people. I'm assuming they mean handicapped people. Like, it didn't even cross my mind that that could be offensive. So, fine. They think it's offensive. They want to change it to the, to the injured list. Whatever. I tweeted out sarcastically, well, I'm glad Major League Baseball could uh, make the big changes, like change the disabled list to the injured list. But let's not worry about pace of play or the fact that free agency is a broken system or the fact that the arbitration process is a sham at this point because no one seems happy with that or the fact that minor league wagers are crap and these players aren't being paid fairly. And that's when I got someone calling me a hypocrite because he said, as long as I'm continuing to watch the Yankees and go to baseball games – then I, I don't have the right to complain about, about 
anything yeah. in baseball. Okay, that, yeah, that, and that's a that's a stupid a stupid take on that on that way. But I mean, the difference being is that they don't have to get any approval for changing uh, the name of something. It's a, it's it's they're changing the name of. Of, of something they're not they're not going out and getting approval from the players oh by the way guys can we vote on this we're going to change this to the uh, the injured list instead of the disabled list can we, can we vote on this can this be part of the uh, collective bargaining agreement no they just make the change so it's easy to do that it's something that they could just do whatever i don't really give a shit it is what it is i'll probably call it the dl for the rest of my life and of course and uh and they can call it the injured list that's fine uh, but something like this is is going to be obviously a big you know, bone of contention because there is, there's going to be jockeying back and forth of what the players want, what the owners want. And yes, this could be one of those leading, you know, one of those big things that they're just floating it out there and say, okay, fine. We will, we'll take some concessions on, on, on one area. If you guys have some concessions on, on other areas and you know, maybe the next one, like there's a big, there's another big one right after this that, that they've, uh, that we're talking about. And that's the universal designated hitter. That's also a big deal. That's adding <clears throat> yeah, jobs and- too to the national league. And and that's why if I, I have said all the time, I just want the rules to be the same. Right. I think it's ridiculous. The rules are different. So I would even be for removing the DH if it just meant the rules are the same. That's never going to happen, though, because then that takes away 15 jobs in the American right. League. So the players are, of course, going to vote yes on this because it's going to add 15 or even more jobs to the National Pitchers league. don't want to hit. Then again, the pitchers that are in Major League Baseball do not want to hit. The majority of them. And, yes, and there are owners who are paying pitchers $25 million a right. year don't want them to go up there and pull a Tanaka and blow up both hamstrings trying to run straight line for 90 feet. Chim and Wong would still be pitching for the Yankees. Look, the, right. the, the, the problem... Chim and Wong might, might have 300 wins. Like, we have 300 episodes. It's a thing. The, the thing is, is that when we're talking about like those types of, uh, of, of do more things for the players, prep more, practice more. You put, put it in situations that you're not uh, completely meant for. Like the, the players don't want to do that. Yes, it's fun. Occasionally a, a pitcher will walk up there and, and slug something and like you see it every once in a while and like that's funny that's to see. That's a rarity. It's a rarity and the majority of those of guys don't want it to happen. 99 out of 100 times, it's, it's a brutally painful at bat and we get a strikeout or a pop-up. Or they don't swing the bat. Or they can't bunt. Yeah. Like, well, nobody like, can. Like, I mean, nobody can. I mean, bunt when anymore, when but. we watch the National League uh, interleague games and the Yankees, hit, most of the time they go up there and don't take the bat off their shoulder, right? Or they'll take a half-ass swing at the third strike, and it's like, what? The, what the hell was the point of that? You know, going back, it, the games would feel very similar to uh, to the way that they had when baseball was before the interleague play. Because the National League, when you're watching a National League game, you know the pitchers are always going to hit. Like every game, pitchers are always going to hit. When you're watching an American League game, there's always a DH. So the the fact that it would be the same just makes sense. And that's and that's and that's right. If they if they got rid of the DH and they just had the pitcher sit, but everybody did that, like fine. I think that would be a bad move, but fine. It's at least it's the it's same. Not, it's never going to. It happen. would never happen. So adding this DH just. As, as if we're talking about progression of the game, the way that things have happened, the way that salaries are right now, the way that the people are specialized, the way they want to add more offense, it just makes a lot of sense. So I do hope that that happens. The, another one is a single trade deadline, and it's going to happen before the All-Star break. This never crossed my mind. I always was saying, I was always a proponent of why do they even have the non-waiver trade deadline and then the waiver trade deadline? Why not just make one? And if you want to split the difference and call it August 15th as the trade deadline, do that. But the more I read, the more I realized this is actually, they they want to bring more competitiveness to the game and and have uh, teams actually invest more in free agency. So say the trade deadline is like June 15th. 
That means teams have to put more importance on the first half. So they have to sign more free agents. They have to maybe not fudge the um, whole player service time. Why, why are we going to wait a month to call up Glaber Torres if he can help us win now? We want to find out sooner rather than later if our team is going to compete this year. So that, I think, is the idea of moving the, moving the trade deadline to pre-All-Star break. Yeah, I have no problem with this either. Like to me, this one doesn't, it's just, it's just, um, you're, like you said, kind of adds, adds more of an importance to the product that's on the field at all times, not just after the trade deadline where it is now after the all-star break, you're, you're putting more of an importance to find out kind of who you are, um, early in the season. So I have no problem with that either. Like to me, that's a, that's a, that's a fine change. While we're at it, can we add a signing deadline in the off season, please? Can we just do that <laughs> so that we're not dealing with all of this nonsense into February, into March, because now, uh, you know, I hear that Machado and Harper aren't even going to sign until March. So that's ludicrous. Let's let's add this, uh, you know, a, a January 15th hard cut. You got to sign everybody by then. And you know who your team is at that point. I, what happens if what happened? But the, then that is a that's essentially a shot clock. Right. Yeah. And who does that benefit more? The players or the owners? I don't care. I just want I just want clarity. But let's play out this this logic here. I, you're basically waiting each other out. So who's going to blink first? Is it going to be the player or is it going to be the owner? I think it's going to be the player. But that's the thing. It's what's the difference? Because if if you're 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 waiting until the the season starts, like that's essentially what the deadline is, or at least a little bit before that, and that's what's happening now. They're waiting as long as possible. So it's just going to move things up. That's all it's really doing. Well, I think it's going to hurry the process. Along. You put it. Instead of an actual deadline, you put penalties in different penalties in the longer you wait. Eh. You almost like have to pay a tax the longer you wait. If you sign for somebody who? after for the J- owners, the owners, if you sign somebody after a certain date, then you have to pay. But then, then the players could just wait. The players maybe- could wait if they wanted to, or they, they would have, I, I don't know that like if you're paying a penalty, then someone could manipulate that as well. If there's just a hard deadline, then it is what it is. You just have to move your timeline up a little bit. It would become more like I think you and Sweeney talked about this, but it would talk. It would be more like the NBA, uh, the NBA offseason, where like you're you're making these plans almost ahead of time. Like you're going into the offseason knowing kind of what you want to do, and then you're going for it. And it's more of a race to sign these guys, and they're coming in. You know, they're looking at different offers, but they know things are going to happen quickly. So everybody has to make a decision a lot faster and we don't have to sit around and dick around and wait for, you know, three months for the th- these things to happen. And the other thing is if you push that up, you're not waiting X, X, X amount of months for one dude to sign so that you can, you know, go about your business. It pushes right. everything Basically, up. Basically that's what Harper and Machado have said. They didn't want to be the first right. one to sign. And that's what what, but what if instead of penalties you do, you get benefits the earlier you sign somebody? I mean, I don't know. I just, I think there's manipulation if you if you talk about a penalty or a uh, a benefit. I just I'm not I'm not in love with that. I just like a hard deadline whenever that is, and if it's and it should be earlier than where we are today. It should be after the holidays. Like you give them a couple weeks after the holidays, and the, the players have a chance to go home, talk with their families. They're they able to do all that. Owners have plenty of time to to you know figure out their finances, and then you go into the season and hey, January fifteenth. Everybody knows what their team looks like. It gives the I mean, teams reality, more time to prepare. It gives the marketing departments more time to prepare. It gives us more time to look and analyze what the team's going to look like. It just it, To me, it's just a very clear case of everybody's happy. 
But I think there's in reality a lot more wrong with free agency than just the deadline. I think you're still not going to want to have owners are still not going to want to pay guys until they're 38 or 39 years old just because they have to do it by a certain date. It's not going to make them happy. So you're still going to have these players not getting the contracts they are expecting. The only way this is all going to fix is if you start either the service time is no longer six years or the clock starts sooner on that. So instead of guys hitting for agency when they're 30, they hit it when they're 27 or you have to pay them more in years one to three. I, that's the only way this is all going to get fixed. I, I don't think there's a direct uh, a correlation with those two. What I'm saying with this is these guys may be getting the contracts that they deserve earlier. You chart, you, you change the way that this is happening. Then there's, there's less negotiating back and forth. There's less of this nonsense in the media where things are getting leaked. And, and now these teams and the, and the players can just conduct business the way it's going to happen. However, it's going to happen because if it, if you think that, that, that them stretching the shit out is changing anything rather than them having to make a decision on January 15th, those decisions are just going to come a little earlier. All of that has to be figured out. I, I get that. And there are a lot of things that are wrong with free agency, but I don't think the fact that moving it up is going to affect that. If anything, it's going to make, make business be more about the business and let's just handle it. Less of this nonsense but, in the media. What what kind of con- do you think that Bryce Harper and Machado are going to sign ten year contracts? No, right. So they're not getting the contract they wanted, which is a ten year contract. So what is the difference? Instead of signing a contract they didn't want to sign on March tenth, but like the, the issue is much bigger in- than that right now. Like we've talked about a million times, there's a market correction happening right now. These guys are saying, "I want this contract. I want the long term contract that that A Rod got, that Pujols got, that all these guys got. That everybody's never going to everybody realize not going to happen. Everybody anymore. realizes now. All the owners say, "I'm not. I'm not going to do that anymore because it's just not worth the risk at the back of the contract." So that. That has nothing to do with a deadline. That has to do with two people, two parties asking for very different things because there's a difference in opinion and the market is very much unclear of what's going to happen. That's the problem. Until until everybody gets on the same page and we have a new precedent, then this is going to be an issue no matter when the deadline is. Yeah, they've also realized they can get value out of guys younger. They're they're finding new ways to find younger talent, whether that's through the international draft, the regular draft, or just players who are undervalued. Like... DJ LeMahieu, the Yankees obviously rather have signed DJ LeMahieu than potentially Manny Machado, which is just on the surface of it sounds ridiculous, but they didn't think it was ridiculous because they're looking at the analytics. They're looking at the way that he hits. They're looking at the way that he has the potential to go the other way and how he could play at Yankee Stadium and and all these all these a number uh, of they, things they, that yeah, they have. A, they 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 have a huge analytic department that they believe is the smartest in baseball and that they believe they are confined different things that nobody else could see. So there's, but there's no so one many is more going elements to sit now. there, but even they wouldn't sit there and tell you DJ LeMahieu is better than Manny. No, Machado. but they're talking no about one in value. Right mind would say that, but they're talking about value as well. And it's value. Per dollar, and it's also Ross. It's also roster fit. It's not just, who knows? I mean, I mean Machado, Machado could fit the roster for, if they wanted him to. If Manny Machado signs for, say, $220 million, which is one of the rumors that we heard this week, that is tremendous value for Manny Machado. Yeah. I mean, set, if we're looking at what, the, what we've seen in the past, then yes. I still think that, look, yeah. I still think that if, like, these guys coming in, like, I think for them, they're, if they were, and I said this, what, at the, in the middle of last year, the beginning, beginning of the offseason, if I'm the one of those guys, like I'm looking at those five-year deals, 
load the AAV and give me another free agency. Give me another shot at free agency at 30 years old. And I will double, I will make an insane amount of money in my career. Specifically Harper and Machado. Yes. You're talking about, yeah. They will they will max out. They will they will Darrell Revis their career max maximum <clears throat> earning. Yeah, you might get that. You might get them to be voyeurs and just sign. Maybe they just go year to year, signing one year thirty five million dollar contracts. Who wants me now? Who wants me to hit forty home runs for them this year? Never know. Twenty second pitch clock is another one we've been talking about that for forever. It seems uh, Manfred could just implement it. Just do it already. It's not going to even be with men on base. So it's. Not even the whole time. Just put the pitch clock in. That'll just shave the four, the next four minutes off the game. So instead of it being three hours and two minutes, two hours and 58 minutes. Whoopee! Uh, the expansion of rosters to 26 men with a 12-pitcher minimum. So you're not going to just... this Maximum. So this doesn't just add more specialists to the team. It actually adds players who can add value, like position players or something like that. You're essentially doing what, what the teams do now on doubleheader days. So does that put a um, a, a stranglehold on on bullpenning, or does it prevent it from no, no, twelve pitcher maximum? Right now, with twenty five guys, you still have teams carrying twelve pitchers. No, I know, but they're not adding another pitcher. So you have a twelve pitcher maximum, which means it doesn't really change much. You're not adding another pitcher. Is this? I mean, I, I think as it stands right now, because you um, you have that twelve, you have a twelve pitchers right now, right? And then you're adding another player, and it's not a pitcher. Maybe maybe teams are are looking at that as they have another um, position player now, and you know they're not able to add another pitcher for the per rule changes. That's not going to happen. So maybe they're just like, oh, that was an experiment that you know the rules aren't going to play to us anymore or as as much. They're not going to see any good new rules in the future that are going to say, okay, bullpenning is going to be um, you know more of a thing. We're not adding a thirteenth pitcher possible, and teams just abandon it. I think this is just to add jobs and potentially. Stop pitcher jobs. Pitcher jobs don't matter. <laughs> uh, stop uh, teams from manipulating service time because they have to fill a roster spot. I, you know what, I always wondered why. Why don't they implement? If you want to stick to twenty five men on the roster, fine. But why can't you take the previous day's starting pitcher and have him sort of be inactive, and then you can activate somebody else? So it's essentially a twenty six man roster, but you're just activating players on certain days. It's the same thing because that that the guy who pitched yesterday and even the guy who pitched the day before they're not available anyway. I mean, playoffs are a different story because you might want to use your starting pitcher the next day in a do or die. But in a regular 162 game season, if Sabathia pitches on Monday, he's certainly not going to. Even if they go to 100 innings, not going to pitch on Tuesday. Right. I mean, it's a. But then you're looking at it like, a, but you can't add a, a bullpen pitcher. You can only add a position player. In your in your rule, you basically have a twenty sixth man who gets turned on and off. But it would have to be a position player, is that right? Yeah, Yeah. because if you're doing that and adding a pitcher, then you're adding another. Then you're adding a you know more of an advantage and more of an opportunity for for teams to go out there and bullpen games because you're basically adding another pitcher. Whatever I don't know who they what the roster spot has to be used on, but it just yeah just somebody this that would also create more jobs. Right. If the idea it's is essentially the same thing though. It's the same thing jobs. if you're adding a position player. There's really no difference. I guess it's the same thing instead of calling yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's the same thing. Just don't add another pitcher. Like that's what I'm that's kind of what I'm getting at. Like you don't want I, I think major league baseball is is coming out there when they're talking about roster expansions and they're and they're keeping the um the a maximum on pitchers. They're basically saying, look, 
We're not adding more pitchers. So all of you teams that are trying to do this bullpen thing, like we're not, our new rules, any of these new rules are not going to play to that. So get that out of your freaking plans because it's annoying. Um, well, a re- another reason why I think bullpens have become more important is because now there's more off days throughout the season because the players union in the last CBA fought for more off days. That's why the season starts at the end of March instead of like the first couple days of April. Yeah. So you basically have, I think opening day is March 28th this year, yeah, it's early. which I mean, it could be 35 degrees and snowing in the Bronx like it was last year, which is crazy. And it goes until the first weekend in October. That's a long time. So there's a lot of off days built in there. If they want to build even more off days, and I've been for this, I think they could do mandatory doubleheaders one Saturday a month. And you can expand the rosters. You want to expand it to 27 men? Fine. But why that, that'll give them even more off days if they're worried about these player health or whatever. If they just want to shrink the actual dates of the season. like They're not going to get rid of games. We know they're not going to get rid of games because that's dollars and cents right there. So if you, you're going to stick to 162 games, but you don't want it to span six plus months, throw some doubleheaders. Even a doubleheader though, does, does kind of limit the, uh, the spending power per person. Cause it's one ticket that gets in. So you are limiting the spending power. I per mean, person some teams game. you could do a split doubleheader or it's one o'clock and seven o'clock. Yeah. You could sell two tickets, but yeah, fine. Do the, the problem with those, though, well, but, but no, here's the thing. A lot of the maybe not the Yankees. Let me finish. Maybe not the Yankees because they're going to sell 40,000 tickets every game anyway. But if you're the Kansas City Royals or the Oakland Athletics and you do a single admission doubleheader, you might actually sell out because player families are like, hey, I get two for the price of one here. Instead of selling 10,000 tickets for each game, you might sell 35,000 tickets for that one game. Maybe that's a that's a hell of an increase. But um it's, uh, look, it's interesting, but the thing is, is that I don't think I, don't, I couldn't see that ever happening either because then you're putting yourself into a known scheduling issue when you have rainouts and when you have all these other things. Yeah, you, then you're, you're, you're trying to make up a game and there's a doubleheader on the schedule and you're like, you're doing all that. But you have that anyway. Look at all the makeups they had to do. Yeah, last I mean, that was half a, the games in April were rained out. But that's the thing. Like, so it's going to happen again. So then, so then they're built again. in essentially that like that's already happening then. It's just not happening later in the season because doubleheaders yeah. later in the year are brutal. That's and that's one of the problems I think that and that's one if of the reasons they would never do that. They're brutal because a lot of times they're like makeups. So a team is flying in like what the Yankees had to do when they flew into Detroit like late in the year for one day and play the doubleheader and then split that night. Yeah. If they're scheduled on a Saturday, you don't run into those issues. You know you're already there. You play Friday night. You play two on Saturday. You play one on Sunday and you go home. What happens when that Saturday game is rained out? Both of them. Well, hopefully you schedule them for, for May, June, July, and August, so hopefully it's not going to rain. I mean, obviously there's always weather. The problem with you that, though, is that like later in the season, season. No, you can't. But the, uh, you go later in the season and you start stacking up these doubleheaders when guys are beat up and they're freaking tired. And they're, they're just, it's, just, it's just a bad – they will never approve that because of that reason. Because all of a sudden now you're in September and you're playing like every other week – every weekend you're playing another doubleheader against – Not every weekend. Well, if it rains out, if, it, if you get rainouts in there as well, and you're, all of a sudden you're playing these teams stacked up they again. Used to do it. And you have a bazillion you know, doubleheaders stacked up and, and you're, you, know, you have to expand rosters and guys – are playing you know every day and then all of a sudden we're we got a guy that we're sitting because it's a double header and he's all you know we're up in arms because he's on a hot streak you know there's just so many things that could go wrong with that back in my day meaning way before my day in the 50s they used to they used to do that all the time yeah but they were tough you know they don't <laughs> tough sons of bitches yeah, they had a they're disabled not, list they're not soft coddled players right 
like they're like they're yeah now. it's a big it's a very big very big difference uh all right the last couple of the rule changes uh, a tank tax so basically draft advantages for winning teams and penalties for losing teams a study to lower the mound which would increase offense decrease strikeouts and uh, and then the kyler murray rule which would uh, allow for two sport athletes to sign major league contracts yeah, because that's such a such a problem in today's game. There's so many of these guys that are popping up. This is to, Billy Bean bitching to the uh, Major League Baseball offices that his first overall draft pick is going to go play uh, pro football. Right. Yeah. No. I mean, it's it's funny that Billy Bean's getting getting nailed by this, but that's uh, that's just something that I don't think they should spend much attention, much time on. It's just one of those things. The 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 study for the lowering the mound. I mean, it's just a study, so whatever. Uh, then the advantages for penalty, the, the tank tax is like. I don't know. You're kind of getting that with the with the penalties. Uh, well, it's it's reversed, but you're getting now people the uh, the luxury taxes. Essentially, you're spending more money. The teams at the bottom are getting it. So essentially, no, no, this is this is reversed. I know that's what I'm saying. So you'd almost be giving back some of that money that that you have incentive from the teams that are doing well. Well, you could do it with with draft picks instead of actual money. You do it with draft picks, and so that way, because basically the idea for tanking teams tank and just stock up on prospects and draft picks well if tanking doesn't actually get you those advantages then maybe teams aren't going to go out there and lose 100 ball games a year maybe you don't have the orioles out there losing 115 games that's not good for the sport of baseball teams losing 100 games is not good the, the orioles did not lose 100 games so that they could move up in the draft uh, to to pick a player that is a shot in the dark anyway like that's the thing about the major league draft, but is they that had these guys no are not, incentive to actually try and put a competitive team on the field. Yeah, but draft picks to me is not going to really change that much. It's not going to like really make them do too much of a difference. If you're at if you're at three or you're at you know thirteen, your odds are pretty damn close anyway. And not to mention these guys don't pay off for another three to four years. You know, maximum. draft picks maybe there's different things they could do though. International money, different. Different uh, compen what's that word compensation round yeah the, not compensation round what what's it called compensatory round compensatory round different draft like all all I know is like a couple of years ago when there was a bunch of teams hovering around five hundred and you remember I, I think it was like two thousand fourteen maybe or two thousand fifteen when in September you legitimately had like seven teams fighting for yeah. a wild card spot like that is way better for the overall sport of baseball than what we had last year where we knew the playoffs in the American league pretty much all summer. Yeah, no, I mean, I think it's when you have another, and that's why I'm, I'm surprised actually, because you've heard rumors and people kind of floating it out there to add another wild card team. I'm surprised that wasn't part of it because if you're doing that, then you're incentivizing a lot of things. You're incentivizing teams to do better uh, because there's another spot open for the playoffs and you're, you're adding more excitement later in the season. Would you have to add two wild card teams though? How would you add one? Basically, the top. So in that case, the top wild cards. Actually, Two playing games, th- three wild card games. Right. This actually could be really cool. Three wild card teams. Teams two and three play a play a do or die game, and then whoever wins has to fly to the number one seed. So that gives the number one team an even bigger advantage. And people complaining last year that the Yankees won a hundred games and had to play a one in playing game. Well, you basically have to make the other team win two games and fly to that next city. So that could be good. So now we're becoming the NCAA tournament, essentially. I mean, the, the problem. I mean, it's. I mean, it is kind of stupid that in that case, 162 games could just be decided by a couple 
do or die games, but that, that would be freaking that's exciting. That's kind of what's happening you right now. Play that the Monday after the season, and then the Tuesday, the next Tuesday. Yeah, uh, you know, there's there's advantages and disadvantages. Adding another playoff team is uh, it definitely helps smaller market teams. Uh, adds more competition. Um, but I'm I'm still. I think they need to fix kind of the way it is now. I'm not a big fan of it. I still think it should be a three game series. But you know, that's just me talking. I don't. The I don't. The um. But that's that's another rule. I'm, I'm surprised they didn't have anything like that in there. Uh, I guess you can only fit so much into it. But there's a lot. There's a lot of stuff to unpack here. I mean, there's, there are a lot there's, of there's a lot of changes that they're that they're proposing. Uh, any other rules that you would make that you want to see happen? No, I mean the. I, I think that I I, li- I really like the 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 pitcher rule. I really do. I think the adding a a minimum batter is uh, is a good thing. I think that could be a really good thing for baseball. I think it would help uh, the game. I agree, and I think that it puts more more importance on roster spots, which I think is also a good thing. Yeah. No, I, I like that. That's that's the one. I mean, if I were to to get behind one of these changes, it would be that in the DH, obviously. But um, that one, I think, if we're talking about pace of play and we're talking about a little bit more offense, that is a much that's bigger a much bigger deal. Pace of play, yeah. Than twenty second pitch clock. Yeah, for sure. Twenty second pitch clock yeah. is whatever. And if they really want to increase pace of play, why not twenty seven batter minimum? <laughs> right. All right, let's talk about left field. So this was a uh, this was spawned from uh, another one of our chats in Facebook. But Clint Frazier has been on the prowl. He's tweeting out things like, "I want to do major things this year." He's trying to start his own um, Game of Thrones nickname. Um, do you watch Game of Thrones? Yeah. Yep. All right. I've never seen an episode. So what is the Wilding or the Wild Wild Wildling? They're, what is that? They are the um, they are the uh, the people that live on the other side of the wall. You won't understand any of it, but they're uh, they're essentially like people of the of the of the uh, the woods. Okay, they're like the people that live off the land. They're they're uh, they're they're a bit crazy. Nobody wants to bring them. Let them through the wall because they're uh, they're kind of like a a savage, if you will. Do they get through the wall eventually, though? You, I can't. You I can't worry talk about spoiling it because I don't care. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of other people that listen. So you know, maybe they do, maybe they don't. But they're they're they are a wild card. Well, in this case, Frazier's trying to break through the, this figurative wall, right? The I think roster, it's more of like the, the wild card. roster is this wall that the wildings are trying to break through. Yeah, but I don't think that's more. I, I think the reason being is because it's more of a, you know, it's just kind of a wild card thing. And, and, and he's just, he's really that wild card. Like, we don't know what to expect from this guy. He's a little, little uh, you know, he's got the edge to him. He's got more of a personality than we've seen in a while coming out as yeah. far as Yankees go. So um, I see the comparisons there. So you and I have always defended Frazier, and he, we always thought he got a bad rap from the media yeah. when um, like he was called cocky and stuff like that. And we said, there's nothing wrong with being confident and cocky. Like You're a baseball player. You should be. Athlete. At this point, like, you should have a lot of believe confidence. Believe in yourself. Yeah. And, and if you want to tweet about it, you want to say that you're, you're going to go out there and do something, fine. Go out there, put up or shut up. Right. I have absolutely no problem with that. Yeah. Is he starting to get a little... Is he going a little too far now, though? I don't think so. I, I think he's just going out there and trying to be himself as well and, and trying to see where those limits are. Th- see, this doesn't sound natural. None of this sounds natural to me. I, I want to do major things. Like, what, he tweeted that. Like, that is not... Somebody who does major things does not tweet, I want to do major things. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think that there's, there's guys out there that are just, like, talking about, you know, they're, they're motivated, they're ready to go. He's had a lot of... 
you know, he's had a lot of uh, obstacles come up, whether it's like all that and stuff when he came over, the concussion, the concussion has been a, stuff was, was a huge, terrible. Yeah, it was a huge, huge issue for him, obviously. And and he's trying yeah. to come back from this and, and kind of make his presence known that he's ready to go, ready to fight for this job. Um, so I got no problem with him tweeting any of that stuff out. Like he's getting a little, uh, he's going out there and, and being more active on social media and stuff. I, look, it's his personality. He's more of a, um, he is, he is embraced social media to, to the point that he wants to be on it more. And, um, you know, I think the Yankees should let him be himself, you know, whether, whether it's uh, it's a little different from what the Yankees have always expected from their players. Well, social media is a little different. And, and now we have guys that have grown up in the social media age. So it's what they know. It's what they've grown up with. What, why are we taking away? Cause essentially that's taking away their voice for a lot of other things. So, I have no problem with it. Like, I, I don't think he's done anything inappropriate. I don't think he's done anything wrong. I think tweeting out, I want to do major things is just saying, you know, if a camera is stuck in your face, if a microphone stuck in your face saying, yeah, I want to do major things. What's the difference? Like that's, I got no problem with anybody saying that. That means they have high goals and they want to do good things for the team that I'm rooting for. Good. I'm glad he wants to do major things. Do you remember that viral video of the kid who stole his grandmother's minivan? And he said, I like to do hood rat things with my friends. No. Oh God, this went viral like maybe seven or eight years ago. I just imagine that's what Frazier's saying. Like that's how he's acting when when uh when he says I want to do major things. And I'm uh, I'm to be honest with you, I'm playing devil's advocate. It it does not really bother me. I hope Clint Frazier makes the team. I want him to do major things this year. Yeah. And I think a platoon of him and Gardner in left field could be very valuable for both players. Because we know how Gardner breaks down in the second half. You look at his his statistics by month. And holy shit, does he fall off a cliff in July and August. Right. So if he gets a little bit more rest throughout the season, maybe Gardner doesn't break down as quickly. And Frazier gets a mentor. Who, who better to mentor a young left fielder than Brett Gardner? Well, if you're talking about position-wise, like in Yankee Stadium, then yeah, that's a, that's a, great, that's a great thing. And um, I, you know, obviously Gardner signed a one-year deal. He sees the writing on the wall, like what's going to yeah. happen. It's not, it's not a big mystery of, of what's you know, what's coming, whether it's next year or the following year or whatnot. Like, this is a big year for Gardner, I think. Um, and he knows that. So I, I think that uh, there's no harm there. Like, I, I think that it could be good, especially with, with Clint coming back from these, you know, concussion symptoms. And, you know, nobody knows, not even him, how it's going to affect him as he starts getting into these games and playing more often. Hopefully it doesn't. Hopefully he's completely past that. But, you know, like hearing about some of the things, you read the um, the article in uh, the Daily News or the the Post, wherever it was, I forget. But, you know, ha- having him trying to, um, you know, put get in get into situations where there's a lot of noise. Like he would have, he would go to concerts just to get that situation where he has a ton of noise so that he can acclimate himself to the way he'll feel. Um, you know, he has probably little triggers that he has to, to get into a, a zone if something is um, affecting him. Like it's... It's 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 very, it's going to be interesting for him because I think he's going to have to change, um, you know. Hopefully, he won't have to change the way he plays, but at the same time, he's going to have to potentially change the way he approaches certain situations if he feels different. It's so, well, like you said, he's not going to know until he starts playing every day. And, and so, if you're a, if he makes that team, which I do think he's going to make the team if he's healthy, I think he's going to make the team. But I think he. You know, a platoon, not the worst thing in the world either. Like it's it's a, a you know a little bit of a uh, not a full time gig where you're out there going every single day on that grind and not seeing how that's going to affect him. But you know, he gets a day off or here and there. Uh, I think could potentially be good for his health as well. I mean, and also like we had a mailbag question about this a couple of weeks ago. Six days into the season last year, they were on their seventh outfielder. Yeah, that's the thing. So, there, there's plenty of are going to happen again. 
Clint Frazier is going to get a chance this year, whether it's he earns the chance or even if he is in spring in spring training, doesn't make the team, something will happen where they're going to need Clint Frazier to play Absolutely. in the majors this year. No doubt. I think he's going to be a big part of this team. I just hope that everything can stay healthy. Like if he can keep, you know, if that head is right and like none of that stuff comes back or if it's, if it's back in a little different and he's able to manage it. And that's just kind of how he has to, you know, go through his, his playing days at that point or, you know, for the near term or wherever. Like, I think he's going to be a, a story this year for the New York Yankees because there will be a time when he's needed. And, and it could be different positions too. Cause I do think that he could splat into he, he different positions in right the outfield. Field. I think he could play a little bit of the center too. There's, there's times where yeah. he can come in and play different positions. He can, he can be a, he, yeah, he can play center field too. Like he can come in um, defensively if they need it. Like I loved the way he played the outfield. Very aggressive. Yeah. And that's the thing. Like, is that going to change because of the head injury? Is he going to, uh, play more timid. Like if there is a ball I where he's able not. to get to and he knows he has to die for it, is that instinctually going to still happen? Or is he still thinking about what's happening with you? I, I don't know. I think, I don't think, I don't think you can take it. He just strikes me as somebody. You can't take that aggressiveness out of him. You can't, I don't think it, your the core aggressiveness comes out, but if it happens one time and then, and then he, he rattles himself he a little gets bit, gunshot. Yeah, it could happen. Absolutely. You just um, don't know. That's the I thing. Think, it's such a big unknown. And, and yes, he's, like all everything is good as far as the doctors say and his health, like, and that's great. Um, but I don't think anybody knows until he starts playing and, and playing hard. I also think Brett Gardner could play a big role for the team, especially in the first half. He always has good first halves and he's a left-handed hitter. He's their only left, like only pure left-handed, just pure left-handed yeah. hitter. I mean, Hicks is a switch hitter. We don't know if Greg Bird's going to even make the team. Didi's on the DL for the first half of the season. So Greg, I mean, um, uh, Brett Gardner could actually be very important for this team in the first half of the season. If Brett Gardner's playing well and 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 he's healthy and he's doing everything that he normally does, he's working to count, he's getting uh, on base a ton, and he's setting up the rest of the lineup. Like I still like him as a leadoff guy. I still think he does a very good job as a leadoff hitter. He sees a ton of pitches, he takes his walks, and he's just a pesky guy up there and can give uh, you know a full report for the guys coming up behind him. And, and the fact is, if he is healthy and he's able to to stay in that. Um, that leadoff role, if you're able to, to keep him in that spot, then now you can move Hicks down a little bit and gives you a little bit more flexibility with having another left-handed bat on a, on a day where you're, t- you're facing a tough righty, uh, you know, f- mixed into the lineup a little bit more and give you a little bit more of a balanced lineup. Because if you don't yeah, have Hicks it and is, Hicks is in the leadoff spot, you got a ton of righties after him. Hicks is one of those players that can hit one anywhere one through nine. Right. We saw that last year. Yeah. So. And that's why I think that, that Gardner does play at this point a significant role in that way um, if he's the starting guy or if he's in the, in, the, in the lineup because you can now, you know, you lead him off and now Hicks gives you flexibility. And when you're facing a lefty, you just sit Gardner anyway. Right. It's not a big deal. Uh, quickly, before we do mailbags, um, uh, I saw arbitration update. So Carlos Correa and Tommy Pham both won their arbitration cases. At the time it was tweeted, players had won three out of four cases. So Arenado being a huge one too, with like a, a Arenado massive got a record, record amount of money. Was it 26 million? Uh, yeah, bucks? I think it was 26. Sevy and the Yankees are $850,000 apart. When you, when you just say it, it's, it's sh- it just, I'm shaking my head, man. It's like, we, it's, we talked about this a few episodes ago, how dumb it is, how like, I don't care that Severino was tipping his pitch. It's a slap in the face. Like the dude's been one of the five or six best starting pitchers. When you look at the last two seasons of baseball, 
give him the $5.25 million. I understand the principle of it. I think he's a super two player. Whatever. I think he's going to win. I think there's a lot of um, instances this year. There's a lot of examples where players are winning. Um, it'll be also interesting to see how Garrett Cole and Aaron, uh, Aaron Nola fare. Yeah. Severino could follow suit. Both start, young starting pitchers there as well. So we'll, uh, we'll update everyone as that comes out. All right, mailbags. First, first up is Brandon. Is it time to put the notion of signing Manny or Bryce to bed? The Yankees went out and addressed their pitching concerns with Paxton, and they built the best bullpen in the league. I get they are generational talents that don't hit the open market this early, but do you really want to marry these guys? They're like that 10 you see at a bar where for the night it's going to be amazing, but long-term you know that you want to go home to your eight. And he puts parentheses Miggy and cuddle up with him. Plus, DJ provides so much depth, and he almost won a batting title recently. I think he compliments the team more because he's a contact hitter who can get on base. I don't care about Hal's money. I just think it's smart to be flexible moving forward. I guess uh, is uh, we found Brian Cashman's uh, burner yeah, email account. Right. Anyways, can't wait for the new season with you all's podcast. It gets me going. Through, it gets me through Cube Life. Okay, so. Brandon, let's let's relax on these uh, comparisons a little bit. <laughs> it's uh, I'm not I'm not I'm not I'm not seeing the uh, the direct comparison there with the with the ten and the eight. Look, the generational talent. Can we please can we please put that one to bed? You hate that I word. Hate don't you? I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. It's it's the stupidest thing in the, I've ever heard. Do you do you? I hate think they're good players. The do you have generational talent, or do you not think they are generational talents? I don't think they're generational talents. I don't think they're generational talents. I think there's a lot of really good players out who, there. Who who is a generational? Talent? Mike Trout is a generational talent. If I have to use the word forced to, with a gun to my head. Okay, but you do Albert Pujols was a generational Trout, talent. You realize Mike Trout. When he retires, if he continues this, will be the best baseball player of all time. Okay, great. Generational talent. Thank you. Yes. Was Derek Jeter a generational talent? I, I think he's a generational player. I don't think he's a generational <laughs> talent. Was Alex Rodriguez a generational yes. talent? Yes, he was. You see what I was trying to do there? Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not buying, I was I'm not trying buying to corner, it. I was trying to put your mind in a press. No, no, no. I'm good. I, I, I saw right through that one. So I just, I just think it's, it's open for way too much negotiation too. So let's just put that one to bed. It's, it's a dumb phrase. Uh, well, it's a story that never ends with Machado and Harper. It's not going to end until they sign on the dotted line somewhere. Right. And then this whole thing with uh, Duquette coming out and saying the seven to eight to 220. Like I listened this morning, today's Sunday, we're recording this. Uh, he was on, um, uh, serious, serious radio. Yeah, the Sir- XM oh. radio is the MLB radio. Anyway, I went out to my truck just to listen to the stupid report. I'm, I'm mad I did it because it was essentially a rumor that he was re- speculating on from earlier in the winter, which I already kind of uh, thought that that was. Like, but this is no other beat reporter that's Yankees related even sniffed it. It, it. You know, it's just, it's just all. Yeah, you're right. This has been a Terrible offseason for the media. It's classic offseason. You get for the whole thing. one little sliver of news, not even news. It's just rumors, and people grasp onto it like it's like it's a headline. Yeah. Like it's like it's the Japanese bomb Pearl Harbor. That's how they treat the headline every time something friggin' happens with Machado or Harper. And and the thing is, is like when these guys are on their radio shows and they have a lot of air to fill, they start talking about other things, and they could be, uh, you know, something that he's heard from years ago. He's not trying to go out They're there and make headlines either. They're spitballing, just like we're spitballing. Right. And 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 I get it. Jim Duquette, he has a following. He's got a verified Twitter account. And he's on MLB's. Well, radio SNY station. put a put a video out about it, and he asked them to take it down. 
If he goes out there and says, you know, oh, the Yankees may have offered 220 for seven years, people are going to run with it. Yeah. So it's just a, a continuation of the, this absolutely mindless offseason. Um, and, and it's just been it's been torture, honestly. It's been torturous. It's been unbearable. Let's just end it. And, and that's why, give me the January 15th deadline <laughs> and we don't have to deal with any of this crap. We could be talking about roster, uh, you know, all of the rosters being set and, and now speculating on actual players and dudes throwing baseballs to each other. Like, you know, that's, <clears throat> that's all we want. We just want baseball to happen. We want to end the speculation. Mm-hmm. I don't care where mm-hmm. they sign. I don't care how much they sign for. Let's just go. I'd really, let's just, just start. I, just, I want to stop waking up every morning and have the same frigging recycled headlines with, oh, the San Francisco Giants and Bryce Harper are speaking in yeah, Vegas. Whatever. Like, I don't give a shit anymore. No, I don't care. Um, all right, we got a mailbag question from George. You see this? I did. Jason Alexander says, one thing I feel needs to be discussed is the Yankees batting order. Why is Judge the number two batter? Since the days of Ruth and Gehrig, it has been the job of your number one hitter to get on base, your number two hitter to move him over, and your number three hitter to start bringing them home. Judge, as the Yankees' best hitter, needs to be at the number three spot, not number two. When you look at Boston last year, they went Betts, Benintendi, Martinez, and I think that played a role in why they were so much more successful in scoring runs without the home run. Or if you look at the 09 Yankees, their order was traditionally Jeter, Damon, Tex, Arod, Matsui, uh, a much more traditional and balanced lineup. The Yankees should consider a lineup of Hicks, LeMahieu slash Torres, Judge, Stanton, etc. Thanks and go Yanks. So this is something we've also talked about, the, the whole new, new wave of your best hitter bats number two, yeah. because over 162 games, he might get two dozen more at-bats. Right. Um, I, I get that, and, and that makes some sense for sure there's no doubt about it you want you want your best player to get the most at bats or close to the most at bats uh but the summer of george here has a a very good point and this is something that that i think uh you know i I know i've talked about it i think you've talked about it we've we've both kind of agreed on this but uh glaber torres feels like a number two like that's i kind of feel he feels like a guy that is as he progresses in his career like i i think he's going to make a lot of a lot of contact like he's he's going to become a very very good hitter feels like a number two I would love to see that happen this year. I, I don't like Judge in the two spot. I think that you can have um, two guys ahead of him setting up, and then there's more opportunities, you know, first time around at least, with uh, with with more uh, guys on the base paths. So I like that. Like, I, and I think it it balances your lineup a little bit more because you're at you're you're moving down uh, towards the middle of your lineup. You get some more power in there, and you're not you know dealing with a uh, um, you know seven eight nine. Uh, or six, seven, eight, nine of, of guys that are, you know, potentially out of out of a, a traditional batting order or where you would normally put them. So I like this. I, I do like that. And and the fact that Lemayhu is now an opportunity for the two spot if he's in the game. Like again, a guy that makes a ton of contact. He makes a lot of sense right now. Like that kind of contact is kind of where I hope Glaber can get to and start making that t- that contact. Like if he can cut his strikeouts down, I think that that's a great spot for him. But yeah, Lemayhu in that two like spot. He play like he did in in May and June. Yeah. For an entire year, he was not striking out a ton earlier. He was hitting the ball out of the park. He had way. He more. had the hip. He had the hip issue. Maybe that affected it. Looked like he was pulling off the ball in the second half, especially when he came back from that hip issue. So yeah, I agree. Glaber Torres is like that. He is that prototypical yeah. number two hitter, right? And you know, back in the day, the the if you're if you're talking about this isn't the this isn't back in the no, day, but if we're talking no about back in the day, the back, back in the day, in the day th- number three hitter was always your best hitter. Like traditionally, that's that's where it's been. You're, and that's Aaron. Judge. And that's Aaron Judge. Aaron Judge is your best hitter, and I love him in that three spot, uh, the two spot setting it up. I, I I do like someone else in that two spot. You know who I want number two? Go ahead. 
Stanton. Okay. I don't want him. In, Stanton, I don't want him Stanton, number two. Stanton two, Judge three. May, Stanton was took off when he was number two in Miami. He had uh, a combination of Yelich and the rest of their actually good hitters hitting behind him. Mm-hmm. Let Judge protect Stanton. Maybe, maybe Stanton turns back into 20, uh, six, 2017 Stanton instead of 2018 Stanton if he's hitting second. Well, I mean, I think the bigger problem is that Gary Sanchez disappeared off the face of the planet because theoretically, if you have Gary Sanchez protecting him and he's sandwiched in between Aaron Judge and Gary Sanchez, then, you know, hey, we're, we're looking at some damn good pitches at that point. Uh, the big three back-to-back-to-back. To back to back. Yeah. You think we're going to see that this year I, to start? You know, I, we saw it only to start last year when they were all healthy and we thought they were all going to be good. We saw Judge, Stanton, Sanchez, 2-3-4 uh, on opening day. I, I like that. I think they. I don't, it doesn't matter to me about the, the righties, lefties at that point, not to mention because we don't have a lefty really to sandwich in there. If, uh, Hicks, that's it. And we're not even going to talk about the uh, the other first, first baseman. But you have now... A if Gary Sanchez is back, he's such a such a key part of the season. If he's back offensively and he's and he's going out there and he's you know commanding the respect of these pitchers, and you're and you're sandwiching Stanton in between those two guys, you're essentially doing the same thing. What you're talking about, I just think you could also see Stanton get a lot more fastballs if he's hitting number two in front of Judge. It depends if Gardy's on base or whoever's leading off. It's true because <clears throat> right. he's he's been known to swing at everything else. We are, and honestly, say, in the beginning we, yeah. of the season, uh, Stanton couldn't hit a fastball. That was his so problem. We, the fastball up we just was a entertained, problem. We just entertained the whole lineup construction thing. And like every week we get at least one person submitting a mailbag question about what would your one through nine order be? And I think it's a stupid conversation to have, frankly, because we're not going to be right. And it's going to change a million times throughout the season. Once the season starts and we see how the how Boone is actually putting the batting order out there, then we can bitch about it. We bitched about it last year, what he was doing. And that's what we're going to do again this year. But me just like, we're, us just theorizing about like, Judge should bat second. No, he should bat third. Like, it, it gets kind of laborious. Yeah, but at the same time, I like putting it out there so that now, if I if there's a chance that I am right ahead of Aaron Boone, then I can You're go back. You're not going to be right. No, I, will, I probably will be right. I'm, I'm confident You're not, in this. None of, we are never right about any of our <laughs> the, if you go to If you go to the... Uh, the tape and you have you're talking about the construction of it. I think it's a, a good a good conversation because there are so many different things that you can do within a lineup. And when Boone is going and he's going to bat judge second because I still think that's going to happen. Like this isn't really talking about what we think is going to happen. It's what we what we're talking about if why we were why we're why it supports that he should be the number three. Because there's new players coming in and new things that are happening. And at that point, you can affect the lineup. Yeah. All right. Next up, David Lee Acevedo. My 2019 fears. Sanchez doesn't find his swing and Roman can't pick up the slack. Who could we get to fill that hole? The answer, nobody. There is absolutely no plan past Sanchez and Romine, and I don't have a problem with that. I don't think they need a plan past no. Sanchez and Romine. No, there's... If both Sanchez and Romine suck next year, then it's a problem. I mean, I... Th- Kyle Higash... Kyle Agashioka. I think we know what the only other forty. We, we kind of all know what Romine's going to be. He's going to play uh, good defense, and you know he'll have some spurts on offense. Uh, but yeah, the Lin, the Lin, there's a huge. He's a huge, huge, huge cog to this team, and, and an absolute wild card for the way that this this team is going to play and the lineup is how it's going to turn over. And that's Gary Sanchez playing. We need him to do well. Bottom line. Um, but no, what team has a third option as a real option when you're coming into it? No, no teams have that. <laughs> 
No, it would be emergency. Yeah. It would be an emergency thing that they have to go out and, and, and find and acquire find Sal Fasano or, or you know whomever a Molina brother. Bring Molina brothers out of yeah. It's like when they had to trade for Pudge Rodriguez in two thousand eight. That was a disaster. Um, I do want to take a minute though to talk about Joel Sherman. He uh, or the Joel Sherman tweet that he said an idea, after Real Muto went to Philly. He said an idea of how far the Marlins went in this process when the Yankees earlier this offseason were trying to get Real Muto to the Mets for Syndergaard. Miami requested Gary Sanchez and Miguel Andujar. Yeah, so that, that's why the conversations ended pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And I, did did Cashman even? entertain a, a laugh a chuckle or did he just hang up the phone no i think jeter sent him a text like it was like i mean cash we're not even gonna really have this conversation this is what we're gonna ask for and then he put a lol after it or cash said new phone who dis? yeah i mean it was just and it was never, just one of those it was never really a uh never really a thing well the, the return that there i don't i know nothing about the return miami actually got on real muto but it, it is not even i know it's not even close to sanchez and andujar there's a lot of they're minor league players right i mean they're not major league talent what they got back. Exactly. But what I'm saying, but, right. It's, it, no, it's, so it's not even not close. as valuable as real, as Sanchez. Yeah, yeah, and so, That's what I'm saying. Like there's not even a, a major league guy in there. And these are two, um, th- who should have been the rookie of the year. And then uh, a guy who, you know, has the potential to also be should have been the rookie of the year two rookie years of the year, yeah. and also has the potential to be the, the best catcher in baseball. If you know, that would be an argument if he had a good year with him and yeah. Riyamoto. All right. Mark says, I know you don't talk a lot about the minor leagues, but have you heard anything in about the July 2nd international draft and the Yankees spending their entire allotment on Jason Dominguez? Can you also find a scouting report on him? Thanks and keep up the good work. Jason spelt with two S's. Jason. Is it Jason? <laughs> so he's, he's not French. French. So, uh, Mark, we're going to get into a lot more of this stuff. So we're actually going to save this question just so, so that, you know, once spring training starts, we're going to dive into a lot more of the, um, the minor leagues and the minor league guys, and we're going to bring some more some more guests on too that could speak, you know, a lot more about them that have seen them pitch and and do um, that dive into them a lot more. And we could talk about this on the surface, but um, we're actually going to save this this show and and uh, or this question and dive into it on uh, on a show during spring training. So uh, so keep this keep this in the back of your mind, and we will definitely get to it. Internet, although up. I will say the international free agents, when you're looking at the prospects that the Yankees have right now, and you're looking at the way that the organization looks. They are so freaking loaded with young talent that they've that they've uh, that they've gotten from um, from the international pool money that probably uh, when was Gary Ch- Sanchez signed? Sixteen years old, I think. Sixteen. Yeah. And I think uh, yeah. Mateo was similar. Like you've had a lot of these guys signed so yo young. The Yankees probably have more talent in those lower uh, age ranges than anybody else. So yes, the Yankees have you know, fallen on the, on the depth charts of the organizations, but that's because we've graduated talent to major leagues and they're no yeah. longer prospects, but wait to see what happens in like two to three years, because we could see a absolute huge rising up by a lot of these really young guys. Cause there's a ton of talent and a ton of pitching talent down there too. So, and they've always placed an importance on the international players, but more so and recently. That's why and that, but that's also why you always see them acquiring one hundred fifty thousand dollars here, two hundred thousand dollars. Like the, when Adam Warren was traded, didn't they basically just trade him for a couple hundred grand in international money? Yes. 
So they want to acquire, they want to stockpile so they can be flexible in the international drafting. And yeah, apparently this guy, Dominguez, is one of the top prospects. And he's going to take a big portion of the allotment, maybe even the entire allotment to get him. So if that's something they want to do, then, then they might have the flexibility to do it. With the way the system is now, you basically start with $4.75 million and you can trade for an additional 60% on top of that. And they've gone out and done a lot, a lot of trading for, for more money. And they've, uh, you know, tried to max it out so that they can go out and and sign these guys. And that's just putting a lot of faith in the way that your scouting department is. And the Yankees have a very big influence in the Caribbean as well, as, as far as personnel and people down there. So they're, um, they're one of these teams that, that potentially, and again, like I said, with their analytics department, like the Yankees think that they have a leg up on everybody else when you're talking about these scouting departments. Um, and the fact that they are the New York Yankees, I think does help when you're talking about these international guys, but they've spent a ton of money down there. So I, I think this deserves a lot more time and attention, um, Mark, but thanks for the question. And we're definitely going to get into it and talk more about a lot of these guys. Cause there is a lot of talent. Drew says, will the Yankees break their single season team home run record from last season in 2019? That record was 267 home runs, and they did that all without judge for six weeks. Gary Sanchez not hustling, Greg Bird being lost, and first base being a black hole until Luke Voigt did Shane Spencer in the uh, in the last couple weeks of the season. Yeah, so I mean, I, I definitely think it's attainable. I think that they could probably, you know, attack that number every year for for a little while. So uh, yeah, I think it's. Um, Do you care? No, I, I kind of hope they uh, hit more doubles. <laughs> I would like to see more <laughs> gaps hit than home runs. To tell you the truth. Also, I mean, they're going to be without Didi for half a season, and he's a thirty home run potential guy. So yeah, which is which is crazy. Gonna... But yes, there's 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 still going to be a lot a ton of home runs hit. Um, but again, the way that it played out last year, injuries happen. Like you see that every single year. So uh, you know that could be that is one of the biggest hindrances to them getting higher than than what they got last year is is injury really. Chris at Lagers one twenty on Twitter. You guys have to mention this on the podcast, and he sent us a picture of the CC Sabathia, that's for you, bitch, signed baseball. And basically what I wanted to do was take a minute, where does that moment, that's for you, getting ejected on his last start of the season, saying, I don't give a shit, basically, about the half a million dollar signing bonus, even though he ended up getting it anyway, uh, or uh, um, not signing bonus, um, incentive bonus. Right. Where does that rank for you in like a Sabathia Yankees moment? I mean, it's different. It's it's definitely one of the most memorable for sure because when you look at the way he did it, it's it was essentially getting his entire team, and it was a, uh, you know, it was a time where where I think you're looking for kind of a rally cry too because the team was mm-hmm. at a point where the second half was a struggle, and you know, we're, we we kind of knew what was going to happen with the um, with the postseason, and like it was playing out like, kind of like where we we were stuck in limbo for a while, and you have something like this that kind of energizes everything. Um, so I, I think it will be one of the more memorable things just because it's like, it stands out and it was so, it was just awesome the way that it went down. It was a unique moment. And the fact that the incentive was there attached to the fact that he had to pitch yeah. a few more innings and he didn't, and he just didn't give yeah. a shit. I mean, yeah. it's, it just, it speaks to his mentality and I love it. It, it does. That, that, and I, that think, is his, and I per- think his Twitter account is logger, just a shot in the dark. What did I say? Lager. It's just a beer reference. I'm just going to yeah. take a shot in the dark. Um, the, that moment really, uh, really tells you a lot about the person that Sabathia is. Yes. And there's other moments, non, non pitching moments that show you the type of player. I mean, the type of person and teammate that Sabathia is like, I think about 
Anytime there's a brawl, he is front and center. Smiling. Big ass smile on his grin, ready to throw down for his teammates. Um, I think another moment that talks about his character, and Girardi has mentioned this a lot, is he checked himself into rehab. Yeah. He recognized he had a problem, and he he stood up as a man and said, I need to get help. And I think that also tells you a lot about the character of Sabathia. Exactly. Uh, he doesn't really, uh, there's not much room for bullshit with him. You know what I mean? Like he just kind of tells it the way it is. Uh, you see that with his candidness on, on his own, uh, on his own show with, uh, with Ruko, the R2C2, you just see that the guy's you know, wide open and, and just kind of is who he is. It embraces like his whole personality and the fact that like nothing else matters. Like when you have a core belief system, the fact that you have that money, um, that's, that's a potential coming out there. Like it didn't matter to him. Like what was more important was defending his guys and, and just doing what he thought was right in that moment. And, uh, uh you know, I have a ton of respect for that. So the Does fact that there's 52, a, that's a ball that's, that's for, uh, that's for you, that's bitch, for you is bitch is written on a ball and signed now as, uh, you know, it's just a, a testament to, uh, to the boys over at that, um, uh, Steiner sports. You know how the Yankees love to retire numbers. Does 52 get retired eventually? Yeah, I think it will. Yeah, I agree. Even if they don't win another championship, I think. He's been here I for a long does. time. He won a championship. and, and It'll be 11. Been, this is his 11th season yeah. coming up with the Yankees. So I, more than any other team he played for. I definitely so. think he will. And I, and I think, you know, I don't think it, has to, I don't think it will really correlate with um, if he gets into the Hall of Fame or not either. I think he will get into the I Hall. think he will too, but I think it will be close. Next question from Cody Hoxie. I was watching Adam Adovino's Instagram story and he let fans ask him questions. One of the, uh, and one asked if he was a cat or a dog guy. He picked cats. Should we be worried? I'm not going to lie. I, I saw this. Someone sent it to me on uh, Instagram and uh, yes, I'm, I'm, I'm worried. I mean, I, I don't know what to tell you. I just have a thing with guys and cats. Uh, Fraser's another one who loves cats. Like loves cats his cat is all over his instagram i think he's got multiple cats man it's like so <laughs> then they all look i, I the just don't understand it and maybe that's where i'm coming from like there's a i have a See, i'm coming from a place of not have you ever owned it have you ever had a cat? yeah that's i think that's the thing like i don't get it because i my stepmother has had cats and i and so they've always been around like uh, they've always been around she's there's a I'm lot not a of cat cats. hater I, I don't like hater. them. I, I don't. I think they're sneaky. I don't trust they are them. Sneaky. I, yeah, I don't trust them either. That's but the problem. I don't dislike cats. I love dogs. I don't dislike cats. I don't dislike cats. I'm not going to come out there and say like I dislike a cat, but I'm not going to have an. I don't want the cat to be around me. I think it's it's disgusting when they like jump on like a, a countertop because that happened. Like they go to places that that they shouldn't be. Like go away. Why are you right? They they walk through their piss and shit in their litter box i think the, the whole concept of a the, litter box the dining room table <laughs> the whole concept of a litter box is disgusting you know like there's just a lot of things i don't like about them so so, so the fact that Adamino says yes he, he initially says cats and then immediately says uh but i love dogs too like he's a, you could say <laughs> he's like immediately yes like, oh man. i want to pull that back well see i think if you can be one if you can be a, a position in baseball and be a cat guy, it's relief pitcher. Relief pitchers got to be a little bit weird. They're a little out there. I think if you're an everyday player, I want you being a dog guy. If you're a relief pitcher, you can be a little weirdo. You can have some cats. I don't really understand that. Why? Why? Why is that? I think relief different? pitchers are more inherently quirky than like an everyday baseball player. because they have so they much have time to, on their hands. They have yeah. Like remember that conversation we had with yeah. Ben Heller talking about all of these games he would make up in the bullpen because ninety five percent of it. 
95% of the game, you are sitting there twiddling your thumbs, doing, doing the arm Howard circles. comes across to, keep, to me as a big dog rota- guy. Comes across as a big dog guy. I would be okay, very surprised if, is, if I heard that he was a cat guy. If you, I, don't want my, I don't want my starting first baseman or my starting left fielder <laughs> being such huge cat guys, but if, if our seventh or eighth inning guy is going to be a cat guy, I can live with it. I mean, I can live with it. If, you, if you're productive on the field, I, at the end of the day, I really don't care what pet you like. I'm just saying, just a little bit of something in the back of my mind that's saying, all right, Jerry's still out a little bit uh, about this cat thing. It's just putting a little bit at of least, doubt in my mind. That's all I'm saying. I can't help it. It's the way I think. At least he's not a reptile guy. I no, would rather you I be can, a reptile guy than a cat guy. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever met a snake guy? Yeah, I'd rather you be a snake guy. Snake guys are really weird. I'd rather you be a snake guy. There's no one weirder than a snake. That's fine. I don't mind you being weird. I just can't trust a cat. That's the problem. Snakes in a cage. Certainly can't trust a snake. It's in a, it's in a freaking in a cage in, a, in glass. Snakes, if they could get out, would just slowly eat you in your sleep. That happened, I think. I think cats would scratch your face off, and they do. Out of nowhere. They just, they just randomly will come up to you and like jump in your face. I have, I have kind of an irrational fear of snakes. Though. That's becoming very apparent right now. <laughs> have you ever held a snake? Yes, I have. At my fraternity house in college. Oh, God. You had a snake guy in the frat? We had in the house on our third floor, we had a massive tank with a huge boa constrictor in it. Oh, that is awful. And it got loose in the walls of the fraternity house. (laughs) Did you find it? I don't remember. I don't remember if they ever That's a no. (laughs) Yeah, I I really, I don't think they did, actually. I think it. Did it just start smelling after a couple weeks? I think that we had less mice. In the house. Yeah, I just did some work on all the mice in the yeah. walls. Yeah. Nobody got eaten or um, strangled to death. Cats keep mice away too. That's a thing. If they're, so if, can I, if, if there's a cat in your house for that reason, like, and it's actually like a working cat, I think I'd have a lot more respect for a working cat. Because actually my brother okay. who lived in Baltimore for a little bit at one point had a, a mouse problem in his, uh, in his, in his um, what are they called, row house. And... Mm-hmm. Literally, my stepmother just like let him have the cat for a month. Cat got rid of the mice. I respected that cat. Um, all right, next up is from Eric Wink. Am I saying that correctly? Wink. 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 First of all, love the podcast. My question, if the Yankees and Red Sox were to switch their entire rosters right now, who would you root for? So oh. this is a question. This is a question. Are you rooting for the players or are you rooting for the laundry? I mean, I, I, there's no way I could root for the Red Sox in uniform, so I would root for the Yankees in uniform. That's what I would do. So you'd be rooting for Mookie Betts, Ben Intendi, J.D. Martinez, David Price, all these guys. These are now your guys. Ugh, this is, I hate this question, Eric. This is and Aaron Judge is now disgusting. in that disgusting red hat. Right. Um, I, I would root for the New York Yankees. That's who I would. Yeah, for. I think most people would too. I think it's kind of funny because, like, think about um, all the players that have come and gone, right? Like players we loved. Hideki Matsui goes to the uh, Anaheim Angels. Like all these players that you just think of as Yankees leave. Yeah. It's like you check in on them from time to time. Oh, Matsui had a game-winning hit last night. That's nice. You're not rooting for the Angels. Well, I can flip so that. For- I can flip that too and talk about Johnny Damon. Like I didn't like Johnny Damon for a very long time. I still kind of like. I still kind of don't. Not like big fan. Oh, of, but when he came to, you're saying when he came yeah. to the Yankees, though, you started to root for the laundry. Again, I didn't like the player. Like I didn't, I, I didn't like oh. Johnny Damon when he was coming over. When he was over, I was rooting for him to do well and all that. But I didn't, 
I didn't like that he was there, but I, I rooted See, for the team and that, and that he did well. And then, you know, obviously he played well and did some big things. So there was a, I mean, a yeah, rooting interest that even after the O nine world series, like he had that huge stolen base, uh, Johnny Damon's that, a, that first a very third good stolen base. Yes. That is one of the most memorable Yankee moments of Damon's career is that first to third in the world series. But I didn't like him uh, for, for a while. I didn't like a rod when he was over here, but he did. I rooted for the laundry. Still don't like a rod. I still don't like a rod, but I, I root for the long. I rooted for the, I rooted for him to do well. So yeah. So it's a really sadistic question. Yeah, by I hate it. I really do hate it, but you could kind of get to that place when you look at the Red Sox that were, uh, that signed with the Yankees. You could kind of put yourself in that situation in real life because a lot of this did happen. So there aren't very many Yankees that went to the Red Sox. Like we don't see that as much as we see the Red Sox coming to the Yankees. David Cohn and David Wells both pitch for the Red Sox after the Yankees. Yes. People forget about that. They do, but kind of in the twilight as well. It's like, it's a little different. Not, not as much of like a huge, oh, they were certainly their swan songs. And I don't even think Cohn pitched an entire season. Um, the, ironically, a lot of the times that Yankee, ex-Yankees go to the Red Sox, it's because they sucked with the Yankees and the Yankees discarded them. Yeah. Nathan Avaldi. Um, and then... Who's going to come back and haunt us? Uh, Eduardo Nunez. Um, uh, some other guys. Yeah, but so there's also... That's, they that's also, usually how it It also happened like after they were with a number of teams too and then went there. It wasn't like a direct you know, swap for players or whatnot. So I don't know. You can, you can kind of put yourself there. This was... Um, it's, I hate the question, Eric, but thanks for, I, I hate, I hate answering the question. I should say. All right. Next one. You want me to read right. the next one? Even you probably want some water. Uh, next one is from Danny. Who's a tipster Metro. Uh, Danny's been to a bunch of events. Um, I've hung out with Danny numerous times. What's up, Danny? Thanks for, he says, hearty congratulations on 300th episode of the best podcast of the business bar none. Thank you, Danny. Appreciate that. I still listen, love listening to them. Um, every time they drop into my inbox, who do you think is, the most likely to progress from Yankees farm system this year, barring the usual suspects, uh, a diamond in the rough, if you will. Also, can you give a, a shout out? So we're going to give a shout out here to his new racing great greyhound Bronx bomber, who has uh, a first trial run at Hove racetrack near Brighton tomorrow. Danny is from England, London area, uh, Brighton tomorrow. So that's on today when it's getting released. His pet name, of course, is babe speak soon. Keep up the excellent work. And hopefully uh, he'll come over for one of the trips to the stadium. All the best, Danny. Well, first of all, how do you not name the Greyhound Bronx Pinstripe? I mean, you know, Bronx Bomber, I get it. <laughs> it, it works. Um, thank you, Danny. Uh, my, the guy I thought of was Michael King. He finished the year very strong last year. He started in single A, worked his way up to triple A, combined for 161 innings with a 179 ERA and a .91 whip. That's over the three different leagues in 2018. He finished very strong. He is a guy that isn't on any top 100 prospect boards or anything like that, but he could play a factor. He got invited to Major League Spring Training Camp this year. He could play a factor. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's kind of the name I, I circled. Uh, if we're looking at guys who are, you know, that we've seen before and that we've heard of that, you know, I think barring circumstances that that happened last year, if if, if things had gone a little bit more smoothly for the Yankees, we would not have seen uh, Loizaga. And that would be a guy that would have been, you know, on some people's radar, but not everybody's radar. You know, he wouldn't have been up in the major leagues if things had normally, you know, kind of played out the way that they should have. I mean, remember that he came up from double A last year. Double so a. I think Loizaga is another big guy that, that could make it, a, you know, an impact this year. And I think he will benefit from ma- having, 
having that that stint, uh, you know, that he had in the uh, in the Bronx and with the major league team, and that will really benefit him. So he's a, he's a guy that's that's definitely, you know, has all the talent in the world and uh, throws a ton of strikes. So I, I think we could see some some impact here. We both pick pitchers, uh, so I think that's that's where we're kind of looking. Well, because I mean. <laughs> Now, there's a lot more opportunity for pitchers to come up yeah. and make an impact than there are position players, especially with the way the roster is seemingly set. And um, there's not a lot of major league ready depth in the system anymore. Like a lot of those guys, like the Tyler Austin type guys, are no longer in the system. Right. And and a guy like LeMahieu now adds a lot of flexibility to that infield um, but Tyler Wade, Tyler Wade's the guy. The, if we're if we're looking at a depth guy, okay, that's not a, a fine. But that's the guy, D- dark horse guy. Okay, F- can't wait for Tyler Wade. He's fat. He's quick. He he's plays a, a hell of a shortstop. I've heard, you know my feelings on this one. Like I, I, I do know he, your he's feelings. a defensive guy now. He is a. You wanna? You want me to do therapy? All right. So yeah, Sock's back for for the second consecutive week. I'm glad he's back. Um, sock sock therapy is the uh, you know one of our infamous mailbag guys, and I hope he come c- continues to keep coming back. And this one, he did a, a good job by uh, having the answer way down uh, at the bottom and also gave, gave us warning warnings to, to say who, you know, that the answer is coming. So I'm going to read it. It says, hello, it's great to be here. Even if 2018 was not the best year, the Red Sox won the World Series and all you hear are free agency theories. Despite all of my thoughts and prayers, Mookie Betts had a season sixth among active players with a 346 batting average which Yankee treasure has had a single season, single season average that's better? And his hint, if you're, so everybody can kind of get their guess right now from what I just read. Uh, and now the hint is he may or may not have been a Yankee mate when he found the sweet spot and hit for 348. So I got this one pretty quickly. This was a lot easier of a question than last week's. It was, and I, I got this one as well. Um, it is DJ LeMahieu, the Matthew, 348 batting average in 2016. And I also remember the 348 number when we spoke about it right after the Yankees signed him. I, that's for whatever reason that just immediately stuck out in my head. Um, when he said the hint is he, he hit for three. Yeah. I mean, we're thinking of batting champion type guys, you know, and like that's, you go, you start thinking of him because uh, of, um, the season that he had, everybody knows about and the fact that there were you know home splits, like we dove into his numbers quite a bit. So yeah, I recognize the number as well. Um, if uh, here's another random question: If you had to bet money on one Yankee winning the batting title this year, who would it be? If I were to bet money on one Yankee player to win the batting title, I'm stalling by reading it back to you, it, or repeating it back <laughs> St- to you. Classic tactic. <laughs> um, Glaber- this is like an in, in an interrogation room when the guy is obviously guilty and he just repeats the question that the cop <laughs> asked him. Uh, Glaber Torres. I think he's Glaber. got the most potential. And why not? Why not the Matthew? Because he's not going to get enough at bats. No, he'll get enough. At, he'll get enough at bats. I just, you know, I've never seen the guy play in person, so I, it's it's hard for me to say that. It also might be tough to win a batting title, be so consistent if you're not playing six days a week. I, I think he's going to be playing more more often than I think he's going to get five to six times a week. But I, I don't know. I Did think Glaber Torres has Boone that type was of quoted could be that type of player, and I, you know, maybe probably doesn't happen this year, but. It wouldn't shock me if he were to have a a, a very high batting average at, at some point. Boone was quoted uh, somewhere. He spoke to reporters at some point, and uh, they asked him about uh, DJ LeMahieu signing, and Boone said, it's great because we basically have a rotation of guys 
for all of those spots. So he didn't say one player is a starter, one player is a backup player. He sort of said our idea is we're going to be filtering guys in and out the entire season. Yeah. I mean, I think that just kind of plays to his flexi- flexibility again. Keyword by uh, that Brian Cashman set up last year. It does give him the flexibility of that. And um, I think we'll we'll know more, you know, after spring training. We're seeing LeMahieu playing different positions too. Because it has been a while since he's played other positions. I think 2014 was the last time he played any other position besides second base. So we're going to see the way he could play these the positions. Obviously, they have a lot of belief that he is uh, a guy that could go out and play different positions. That's why they signed him. Um, but, you know, let's see what happens. Let's, let's, I want to I wanna see this with my own two eyes. Maybe, maybe uh, Andujar becomes a gold glove third baseman, you know? Maybe, uh, maybe a lot of that good stuff rubbed off on him by Beltre. That would be the most shocking thing to ever happen, I think, if he turns into an elite third baseman. Like, that would be he shocking. comes in, he's just, he's just picking balls. He's no, no longer double-clutching and crow-hopping, yeah. and he turns into a, a gold-glove third baseman. Oh, it would, it would shut so many people up. It would make me... Nothing would make me, me happier up. to see him make significant strides in, uh, at, at third base defensively. Nothing would make me happier. Besides Gary All Sanchez right. making blocking strides. Thank you to everybody who uh, submitted all those mailbag questions. You guys know the drill, where to do it, bronxpinstripes.com slash podcast, and tweet us, Facebook us, Instagram us, do whatever to get those mailbags in, keep them coming. And again, 300 now in the books. Thank you, everybody, for listening over the past 300 episodes. Some people have been there since the beginning. They tweet us, I've been a listener since episode one. So certainly appreciate all those people. But even if you just joined on episode 299 and now you're going to stick with us, thank you as well. Scott, any last words? No, just, uh, yeah, cheers to everybody. And uh, here's to another 300 episodes. Believe it or not, George isn't at home. Please leave a message at the beep. I must be out. Before I pick up the phone, where could I be? <laughs> Believe it or not, I'm not home. Are you fucking kidding me? 14 to 1 in the end of the six. I'd rather slap my mom than see the fucking goddamn Red Sox beat the Yankees like this. I blame what are we going to do about Dylan? I'm so sick and tired of being nervous, needing to go through a whole bottle of Tums whenever that man steps on the goddamn mound. On this one night, couldn't we all agree that it just might be a little nice to have Detroit be just just a tad bit more liberal this evening, if only so that we could finally all admit in public how much we want to suck Aaron Judge's dick. I told the whole crowd loud, man, woman, and child, everyone laughed. And then he was told to sit down, you drunk asshole. And now Torres can't throw a baseball across a fucking diamond. Unbelievable. I'm telling you, get this guy out of the fucking lineup. I know you, two of you have some love fest with this guy because he hits some skips off the bat. He sucks. Sonny Gray, everybody. Sonny Gray. I wait all day to work a 60-hour work week to relax on Friday to watch Sonny Gray get lit up like a Christmas tree. Oh, good God. Can we get a picture in the front? Please. Please.
I'm ready to lose it, but I'm very under control right now. Right now. My 16-year-old mother with osteoporosis has stronger bones and is tougher than Greg Bird. You gotta be kidding me. Another season without Greg Bird coming back, maybe 50 games to play? Ridiculous. Fuck Greg Bird! What the fuck is he doing, man? Why the fuck are you injured in spring training again? Two years in a row, fucking ship his ass out to San Diego to the Padres, just like he did, Pesley. Fuck him, fuck Ellsbury, fuck all that shit. Bring in Tyler Wade, Tyler Austin, one of these young bucks, and let them fucking go off. Fuck Greg Bird and his pussy ass foot. Fuck him. I am so sick and tired of Greg Bird's broken ass. We need to get rid of him and upgrade. Seriously. Every year is the same crap. I'm done with it. Let's go Yankees. Uh, yeah, so just a friendly reminder to anybody in right field, or really anybody who's sitting fucking in the outfield, if the ball is over the wall, fucking grab that shit. Don't fucking back away with the pansy. Fucking grab it. Jesus, how fucking stupid. You should be banned from the goddamn stadium. Jesus, fuck. I keep listening to John Sterling calling Giancarlo Stanton home run. Every time I hear it, it sounds like he's having a stroke. Oh, just a minor stroke, but a stroke nonetheless. I don't understand why he can't just go with, It is high! It is far! It is Giancarlo! Giancarlo with the home run shot! First, Walker, I just want to say, I'm sorry about all the mean things I said about you. I'm glad to have you on the team. Bird, you, I want you off. You cannot bat for shit, and you cannot feel for shit. Can we, can we get on someone from the Giants, and I mean the New York Giants? Let's just get Odell to fucking field. I mean, he's got that fucking five-year extension. He could probably catch balls better than Bird ever will. Yeah, it's the top of the seventh, but uh, I just want to let you guys know. Start spreading the news. Fucking spread it. We're ready for Boston. We're gonna fuck them up. Let's go, guys, baby! The Romans, the Trojans, a blast from the past, a podium bomb, baby! Get it down, baby! Get it! Fuck yeah! Let's get it! Boston, that's it! That's over! Take it up the ass! It's a Yankees winning season, that's it! Feel the ass in the back pocket like a fucking long cut tip! That's it! It's fucking Big Bass, Big Herc, Big Pork, and we got one fucking thing to say. Let's go Yankees! Fuck Boston! I fucking love my city, baby! I love my city! Let's go Yankees! Come on! Come on! Come on! Let's get this fucking win! God, I'm fucking wasted. Holy shit, had way too many beers before the 7th. Oh my god! Let's go, Yankees! Come on! Come on! Come on! All I can say is, let's fucking go, Yankees! Woo!
Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees. It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com